All right. What's popping, my friends? This is the Do Big Things podcast. Welcome to it. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for stopping by. I'm your host. My name is Adam McRoberts. If you're new here, I've got a good one for you today. I really enjoy finding inspiration and chatting with anyone doing big things in their life. You know, uh, people who have that, that little extra sparkle in their eyes. Folks who aren't afraid to get after it. My guest today is no exception. KK Fisher has only been running ultra marathons for a few years, but that didn't deter her from running the Moab 240 just a couple weeks ago. For the uninitiated, if you don't know, that is a 240-mile run. It starts in Moab, it goes up to the LaSalle Mountains and comes back. It's just incredible. KK is not only an ultra runner, but she's a mom and she's a little firecracker. And I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you guys do too. She's coming up in just a minute. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, where we want you to do big things. We offer support for your ultra marathon in the way of crewing or pacing. We also offer personalized coaching and customized training plans. We can get you to the start of your big things, or we can help you get to the finish. We can coach you up, or we can crew you in. Our coaching system isn't anything fancy, just good old-fashioned hard work mixed up with a little, uh, should we call it holistic mindfulness. Whatever your big things are, we want to help. Look us up, big-things-crewing.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we are rolling. I am here with KK Fisher, and we are having a conversation today because she just crushed the Moab 240, um, and I can't wait to hear about it. So welcome to the Do Big Things podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I feel so cool to of, be on here. Of course, of course. How are you feeling? How are you recovering? You know, I actually feel really great. Um, I guess, how far out are we now? It's almost, I finished last Tuesday, so I'm almost a week out, and my mm -hmm. body's feeling good. I haven't gone for fun yet, but I think I might today, okay. after this, go for a little jog, just play. Nice. It's been like good, it. easy recovery, actually. Okay. What sort of things do you do to recover? Do you do anything specific, or do you just rest? That's a really good question. I mean, I think I'm still kind of figuring out exactly what the right formula is. I think for me, I really try to listen to my body and take it kind of day by day of what feels good. And so um, a lot of sleeping, 
for sure. <laughs> good. A lot of eating really good food and whatever feels good. I mean, mostly healthy, but also some good stuff too. I've had a lot of ice cream in the last week. Nice. You nice earned it. And fun. You earned it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just like really being gentle with my body, like rolling if it feels good or just kind of stretching. Um, I went for a, a, like a walk that felt really nice. Um, so just kind of whatever feels, feels good. I don't know if that's not very scientific, but I think the kind of general theme for me has been really trying to tap into listening to my body and what it needs, mm -hmm. both like in recovery and during the race. And so, um, that's kind of, that's kind of what I've been doing. Good, good. So it sounds like you've just been taking it easy, chilling a little bit. I mean, you earned it. So I've run, you know, uh, I don't know, 10 hundred milers, maybe I've done a handful of them, but I've never done a 200 miler oh or anything like that. So I'm curious, like how beat up were you afterwards? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think 1000 miles. Wow. You're well, a, a badass. No, no, I no. Hear about those 10 That's over the course miles. of many years, you know, <laughs> but I mean, you, you doubled my PR in, in one day. I mean, more than doubled it. So I want to hear like, I mean, I want to hear all about it, but I'm curious, were you pretty beat up afterwards or how were you feeling? You know, I wasn't, I wasn't that beat up and I actually feel like you know, so this, so this is my first 200 plus finish, but I attempted a 200 miler last September okay. called Tour de Jeans, which mm -hmm. are you familiar with that race? I am. Yep. I sure am. So that, that's a, that's in the Italian Alps and it's, it's 200 miles Italian Alps. So like pretty technical, steep, hard terrain and like 80,000 feet of vert over 200 miles. So that's a, it's a pretty, it's a beast of a race. That's legit. Um, and I, and you have 150 hours <clears throat> to finish it, but it's, I mean, it's a lot of people don't finish. And I ended up DNFing that race at mile 140. Okay. And a big part of that was that I really like, I really was pushing, 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 like, trying not to sleep, really just trying to go as fast as possible to try to like have a good time, like have a good, um, you know, clock time for the mm -hmm. race. Mm -hmm. And I ended up just like crashing and burning basically. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I, I, I like completely lost my mind, like hallucinated, really crazy. It was very scary. I actually thought I was going to die. I like literally thought I was going to die. Why? Um, like, so why, this what's going on? Why did you think you were going to die? <laughs> um, well, so I basically hadn't slept. I, I started the race on Sunday at noon. Okay. And I, I tried to lay down and sleep, but I had this feeling like, oh, I'm in a race and I'm like, I gotta go. And I, and I was afraid that if I laid down and went to sleep, like I was going to sleep for, you know, 10 days and I was going to wake up and like the whole race was going to be over. <laughs> so I just couldn't let myself relax into sleep, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, that was okay. I, I could skip, I skipped Sunday night of sleep. I skipped Monday night of sleep. 
I skipped Tuesday night of sleep. And I might have gotten like a, a nap in there, but like, but less than an hour total in that whole time. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday night, I was, you know, I was quite tired, but I, it was this beautiful moonlit night. Like I was cranking up this beautiful Pete Cole Pintor and um, I was cranking out to some song and I come down the other side of the mountain and it's like beautiful and I'm running down and I'm getting some momentum. And you know, these are big mountains. So it was like probably like a seven mile descent mm-hmm. down into this aid station. Mm-hmm. And I'm like running and all of a sudden I look around and I was, you know, I'm like by myself on the course because you get kind of spread out. And I look around and I'm like, oh, there are all these runners around me now. <laughs> oh, how cool. And then I realized they've got these like things on their arms. And I'm like, huh, what's that about? And then I look up at the sky and there are these planes that are flying. And there are these people standing out of the side of the planes with little marionette strings. And they're like marionetting the runners down whoa. the mountain. And they're like, whoa, that's cool. And I, I really, I really, in my mind, I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Gosh, I can't wait to get to the aid station and ask for the marionette strings. Like, my knee's bothering me. That would really help me if I can get this marionette down. I mean, it's like, it's crazy what your mind does when you're that sleep deprived. I mean, I was like, I think there's different stages of hallucination. I'd be curious if you've experienced any in your races, but I would say like, there's this one stage that I've had, which is like, I see a thing, but I know it's not real. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, which is like, I'm like full in it. I believe it's real. Really? And so anyways, I get down to the aid station. I walk into the aid station and they're like, you know, hello, would you like some cheese? Would you like some water? And I'm like, I need the marionette strings. And they're like oh, looking around and they're like, mm-hmm. And I was like, the marionette strings. And I start like trying to do this dance and I knock over a table with water on it and like everything spilled and everyone's like looking at me. (laughs) And I, then I was like, hmm, this is odd. And so then they take me to the nurse that's there and they start taking my vitals. And I was like, why are they doing this? This is very odd. I just wanted the marionette strings. And everyone seems very scared and nervous. So then I start getting scared and nervous because they don't really understand what's happening. And so, and they were quite like, they kept taking my vitals, which are all fine. Like I was, my heart rate's fine. My, like everything was fine. Blood pressure's fine. But like they kept doing it over and over and over again. And they're like, well, we don't have a doctor here to make sure that you're, you're okay. If you want to see a doctor, you have to go to a, you have to drop out of the race and be transported by ambulance to this other place. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. But I, I only, I had to leave that aid station in like an hour. You only had an hour to be there or two hours to be there. I don't, I can't really remember. So it was like, either I like stumble out into the mountains by myself mm-hmm. at, at like at two o'clock in the morning, or I have to drop out of the race. And you know, I really, they were, everyone was so scared. I really started to believe like maybe I'm dying because like I'm seeing these things that people don't believe. I mean, it was very confusing in my mind. Wow. Um, and so I ended up, I mean, it was like, it was like, do I, I have two little kids at home. Do I risk like dying yeah. or do I drop out of this race? And I was like, I think I made the right choice. For sure. You know? Yeah. Um, 
but it was a hard, it was a hard thing to like, you know, cause I, I essentially what happened is once the ambulance picked me up, like I instantaneously fell asleep in the ambulance cause I felt safe. And then I woke up like two hours later and I was like, I want back in the race, but they don't like, obviously they don't want to do that. So anyways, the point being that with this race, I took a very different tact and I went, I really tried to go kind of slow actually. And just really just like lean back and like enjoy and like find pleasure in the like little moments Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to chat with the fellow racers. Like I just met so many exceptional people. I mean, I'm sure you know this from all the races you've done. Like the community is just amazing. And like, it just, I met so many incredible people. And so yeah, there were hard moments, but like a lot of it was just felt really joyous and pleasurable and fun. Mm, and, and then like, before I knew it, it was over, you know, and, <laughs> um, and I slept much more, like I napped a lot and okay. like, I probably slept probably in total, like eight hours of the okay. whole race. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I, in some ways, I think that two, two forties easier than a hundred miler. I've never actually done a official hundred mile race you haven't um but i think like the, the longer it is the kind of more slow you can go kind of more slow in a For way sure. i don't know For if sure. that makes sense yeah yeah no i've i've heard that i've i've heard people say that you know a 200 or or 200 plus mile run is is a little bit easier because there's a lot more hiking involved you know you can slow down you can take some naps and enjoy it a little bit more and a hundred mile you're hundred miler you're you're running as much as you can really um, but I didn't know you'd never done a hundred mile yet. So, so let, let's back way up. Like, tell me, tell me how it all started, how long you've been running. And apparently you just jumped over a big, a big hurdle there at some point and dove right into the 200 miler. And I think I'm not positive, but you've done longer than 200 before, haven't you? Well, I mean, it depends on how you kind of classify it. I did, I did a 500 mile virtual race in June. Okay. Which I won. Yeah. It was like, there was like 2000 people on the race and I won it outright versus the men do. But it was like, you know, it took me many days to do it. It was a virtual race. So you could do it like over many days. And basically what I would do is I just Every time I could, I just went out and I walked. If I was on the phone, I mm-hmm. like when I had mm-hmm. my kids, I put them on the bikes and we went and did loops. And then Got like, it. you know, I'm kind of a night owl. I love, love being out at night. Yeah. So like there were many nights when I just went out and cranked out miles all night long. And it was like so much fun. And, like if I could do that all the time, I could, but <laughs> you sleep catches up with you but it wasn't in like one one long segment you know like it okay. wasn't one continuous thing if that makes sense got it um, got it okay so i think like 140 was probably the longest i had done in like one you know section mm-hmm. um yeah oh oh no that's actually not true i did a virtual so candace burt who puts on who puts mm-hmm. on Moab and yep. a bunch of other, other awesome, 200 awesome miles. Yep. So she did a virtual 200 miler that okay. started in like May and went till the end of June. Mm-hmm. And I did that in May. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I just cranked, I just went around my block basically. just like <laughs> loops around my house for 
for 60 hours. It took me about 60 hours to do 200 <laughs> miles. And I didn't sleep in that. I just like cranked it out. It was very hard, but like so freaking fun and, and hilarious. Just like how the whole thing unfolded. And, um, and I ended up winning that. I mean, there weren't very many people that signed up for that, but yeah, yeah. that was a fun little project. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so we've established that you're a badass. Okay. Check that. Um, how did this all start? I mean, were you, um, did you run in high school? Did you run track? Did you run cross country or, or how did this journey begin for you? Mm-hmm. Great question. Love it. So, I mean, I would argue that I've been running since I could walk. Right. I mean, <laughs> As a kid, like it's way more fun to be running than walking. I have yes. two little girls and you see it all the time. We have to like tell them to slow down. But then like as I became, you know, as I grew up, I played every every sport I could, soccer, ice hockey, field hockey, tennis, but I hated running. Never okay. track and field. Okay. Never track. <laughs> hated it. And like I hated doing running workouts. Ugh the worst. And I just like, didn't think I was a runner. My sister, I have a younger sister who's two years younger, who was just like a freaking badass runner. She was so freaking fast. And that was her thing. And I was like, no, I'm not a runner. Yeah. I play sports. Like that's not my thing. <laughs> and then I went to college and I played varsity field hockey. And obviously there was running involved, but like, I didn't, I didn't like go run two miles. Ugh, no. Right. And, um, then when I graduated from school, I kind of would run to stay in shape, but it was like more about like calorie burning and like looking good and not about like run, like the joy of running. I don't Got know, it. If that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. And then um, I met, I was on, I was on, um, so I'm, I have two little girls and I'm divorced. So, uh, like about, I don't know, six months after I kind of split from my ex-husband, mm-hmm. I went on the online dating circuit as mm-hmm. one does. Mm-hmm. And I was on Bumble and I met this guy and we were kind of flirting around and chatting. And like, at one point we're like, oh, what are you up to this weekend? And, and he was like, oh, I'm going to run a race in, in Southern California. I was like, oh, what kind of race? Like, is it half marathon or something? And he's like, yeah, something like that. And I was like, oh, well, well, what is it? And he's like, 100 miles. And I was like, what? 100 miles? I like, I didn't know that existed. I was yeah. like, who is this human? Like, who is this human that runs 100 miles? This is like, <laughs> I couldn't. So I became like instantaneously fascinated with him and was like, just mind boggled. I wanted to understand everything about it. Yeah. And um, we ended up like, I, we ended up meeting after his race and having a relationship for mm-hmm. a long period of time and um he was the one that like kind of he he introduced me to trail running and trail running was a very different like experience for me than road running because it was you know one the community which i'm sure yes. you can relate to is for just sure. really incredible it's yeah. so welcoming and mm-hmm. warm and I, like you could walk. I was like, you can walk in a race. That was yeah. freaking awesome. You could eat like Oreos. I was like, this is amazing. Um, and he, he was really encouraging, like to be like, yeah, you can do a, a half marathon trail. And I was like, okay, I'll try that. And I did it. And then like, 
I did a half marathon trail. The next weekend I went and did 30K. And he was like, I think you could do a 50K the following weekend. And I was like, no freaking way. <laughs> and he was like, well, let's just try it out. And so we went out and we ran a 50K together. And he did the whole first part of the course with me. And I, like, I was like, gosh, he's going so slow. He's so slow. But what he was really doing is like pacing, you know, to like keep me from losing all my energy. There's this yep. like yep. saying I love about ultra marathons. You probably know that's like first half of the course, like don't be stupid. Second half of the course, don't be a pussy. I think like that was, he was helping me like not be stupid in the first half of the course. And then what ended up happening is like the second half of the course, he was like, okay, we're going to split, go as fast as you want. And it was like, it was a super fun course because the second half was all downhill. Okay. So it was just, I rocked it and it was amazing. And I was like, wow, I never knew um, that I could do something like that. And then like two weeks later, this is like his idea of a, of a really good date. So we had dinner yep. in, in Berkeley. We had dinner in Berkeley. And then we took an Uber down to Santa Cruz, down to Nicene Marks. And we arrived to Nicene Marks at like about midnight with our packs on. And then we did 100K through the Santa Cruz Mountains to Los Gatos <laughs> and arrived in Los Gatos the next evening at like 6 p.m. and had pizza in Los Gatos and then took an Uber home. <laughs> And like, this is how it went for me. At like, at like 2, 3 a.m., I was like, oh my freaking God, I hate this guy. As soon as I get to a street crossing where I can call an Uber, I'm calling an Uber, I'm never talking to him again. And then by sunrise, I was like, totally in love, want to have his babies. Let's like spend the rest of my life with him. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Crazy what, crazy what you <laughs> yeah so anyway, how, okay and, and so, so how long ago was all this when you when when you met him and when you started running so i met him in um i guess three years is that right let me just look this is actually i'm, I'm drinking out of the my first 50k this is my month huh? that i got from my first Perfect. 50k so it was, good reference it was point december 2017. 17. Okay. So that's three years ago. That's not very long yeah. ago. Okay. Huh. So you jumped into these races yeah. with no training, right? Or were you doing a little bit of running? Yeah. And there? There, was, there was some collateral damage from that. Sorry. <laughs> what you, say? you were doing no training at all. You just jumped into these races and just kind of went for it. Um, I mean like that 50 K yes. But then I really, I did start training. I mean, okay. I like really, you know, would train and I worked with, I worked with like a bunch of different coaches over the years sure. and like, okay. you know, I've kind of like different styles and different approaches. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I like really did start training and I learned a lot from him. Lucas is his name. Sure. And mm -hmm. he, you know, he just did, does crazy adventures and we would go to like Yosemite and do like, you know, 80 mile adventures and 50 mile adventures and like just learn a lot from just like being out on the trail and mm -hmm. finding joy and, and understanding my body. And like, so it was like training. Yeah. From like a, a running, you know, volume standpoint, but also just like 
these super cool adventures that we were having so much fun doing, but I was learning a lot in the process. Um, and I think like all that has built like a lot of trust just in, you know, for a a 200 mile race. And this is true about a hundred mile, I'm sure too, but like, it's like, not if something goes wrong, it's like, what's going to go wrong. Like something will go wrong. Many things will go wrong. And Mm -hmm. like the thing I love is like, the problem solving it's like how adaptable can i be how can i like figure this out right and mm-hmm. um like some stuff i've i've seen before and it's like okay i can use these tools i know but some stuff it's like i've never encountered this before and how do i deal with it mm-hmm. and can i stay calm and can i like get through that so mm-hmm. i think like these experiences with him like doing these epic like yosemite or up in tahoe or just like um I went and paced him like he ran Bracky. He's just a crazy human. He wanted to run this hundred mile race in China called uh, Gaoling. It's a UTMB uh, race. Okay. And um realized that he hadn't had a qualifier. And so he was like, he was arguing with them and they're like, you have to have a qualifier. And he realized that Rocky Raccoon was a qualifier. And it was right. like three days from then. And he's like, okay, I'll run Rocky Raccoon. But Rocky Raccoon was like two weeks before Gaoling. So he's like, do you want to come pace me at Rocky Raccoon? So we fly down to Texas and he's like, my goal is to run Rocky Raccoon as slowly as possible, but with finishing. So I get the qualifier, but I don't destroy my body because I'm going to go to Gowling and run another hundred mile or two weeks later. Okay. okay. <laughs> it was just like a hilarious experience wow. for me. Like, I just didn't even know it was, I mean, I'd never been to a hundred miler before and it's like, in the middle of the night he just like lays down on the side of the trail and i'm like what do i do i just stand here and like make sure nobody like does anything and people come by and be like is he okay and i'm like i i think so i don't know it was just anyways i'm getting off topic but i think there was just like a lot of learning from him showing me kind of like his own experiences and being just like so encouraging of me of like you can do anything you want. And I was like, oh, I never could run a hundred. And he's like, yeah, you could. I mean, you might not be able to do it tomorrow, but like, mm-hmm. if you want to work, you can work and work up to that, you know? Yep. And I just like, I, that's the, like, I feel like that's a lot of the community of ultra running and trail running is this like, anyone can do it. Well, I'm not mm-hmm. special. It's just mm-hmm. like, I decided I wanted to do this and I worked at it, you know? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So, I mean, this is, this is like an amazing story. This reads like a book, like, you know, forgive me, but it sounds like you had like, you know, you got divorced. It's almost like midlife crisis time, like, and you meet this guy and then you go start running these, these crazy races. So, uh, so you, you were doing all these adventures with him. You skipped over the hundred mile distance. And then where did it go from there? Um, okay. So, so I like, I decided, so I crewed, he did Tour de Jeans in 2018 or is that right? 20, yeah, 2018. Okay. And I went out, I went with him to Italy and I crewed for him. You're not allowed to have pacers there, but like, I would, you know, I would like hike up the trail from the aid station and come back in with him. That was okay. And I would crew for him and it was like the super cool, it's a loop around the Iosta Valley in Italy, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but like going from town to town and the whole, 
vibe of that race is just like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And then when I was, you know, when I had a free moment, I would get out on the trails by myself. And I was like, these mountains are gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I met so many people and I just was like, I want to come back and do this race next year. Okay. Okay. And so I sent for the lottery and I ended up getting in (laughs) for 2019. Okay. And so we both went back and did it in 2019. He finished, he finished in 2018 and then he finished again in 2019 when I DNF'd. Um, and, and I just like, I like the idea of just like, well, I'll just go straight to the 200. My first hundred will be in Tour de Jean. That'll be my first hundred. Um, and I did it. I mean, I went 140. So yeah. like I had a hundred yeah. miler and um, and then like I, I had signed up for, well, I was, I was going to do Tour de Jean's again, actually this September, but like the, with COVID it got canceled. Yep. And fortunately I had like, you know, decided to sign up for Moab and like, I'm so glad I had, cause that was one of the only mm. few live races. Um, but where was, oh, I was supposed to, I, the other race I was supposed to do was my first hundred miler was going to be Cruel Jewel. Oh, okay. You know that race? Yes, I've done down that in race. Georgia. Yeah. Yep. Oh, oh my gosh. You're such a freaking badass. I want to hear about your, your <laughs> 10 hundred. <laughs> no. That's a hard, that's a hard race. It's a hard race. Yeah. But, um, was it good? Oh, it was great. Like, yeah, I had a blast. I mean, I live in Boulder, Colorado. So what we run out here is is fairly technical. And, you know, on the weekends, I'm going up and down the Fortiners, and I like to run the technical stuff. And so when I got down to Georgia, and everyone said this race is really technical, I, I just didn't find it all that technical. And, you know, it it wasn't as high in elevation as what, you know, we're kind of used to in Boulder. And I'm not saying it was easy by any means, but um, I, yeah, I had fun with it. It was, it was a cool race and it was, it was the only race I've done pretty much by myself. Like I didn't have a pacer, didn't have crew. I just flew down there just kind of by the seat of my pants and just kind of went for it. So um, no, I had a good experience down there. I love that race. Yeah. (laughs) So well, so anyways, I was supposed to do it. It got canceled because of COVID. And I'm gonna I'm signed up for it. They let you do a you know a rollover. So a I'm rollover. gonna do it hopefully Good. in 2021. Cool. Um and but anyways, I was supposed to do that and it got canceled. Mm-hmm. And then um so gosh, this is quite a quite a soap opera with my love life. <laughs> You're gonna find this very interesting. It's so, okay. So Lucas and I uh-huh. dated through like December, um, January, and we for a bunch of different reasons, which like if you're interested, we could go there, but I'll just keep it short for now. We ended up not breaking up. Okay. And I started dating someone else, another prolific ultra runner okay. who um Young, he's twenty four. He was twenty four at the time. I'm thirty four. Ah, like I like nice. the, the young guy. Um, but so I was dating Ian. His name's Ian. Okay. And he had done Cool Jewel, and he was gonna come pace me for Cool Jewel, and it got canceled. And I was like, you know, I was pretty like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was like, one day we're hanging out, and um, he's like, well, why don't you just make your own hundred miler? And I was like oh, I guess I could do that. He's like, why don't you just like run around your block a hundred times? 
I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah. And then I went out the next day and, and did that. I ran a hundred miles, one mile loops around my block. Wow. Um, and then I like, I was like, during that race, I was race, race. I was like, oh, I could make this into a race for anyone. Cause it was kind of like COVID, you know, nobody, like it was hard. People were finding like, it hard to find things to kind of like do. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. so I, I just threw up a website around the block 100 and <laughs> made it like a free challenge for anybody. You can check it out. And like anybody could sign up and I even had buckles made that are pretty freaking cool. Oh, sweet. And like I had buckles made and like, it was really cool. The community of people that came out and did the mm -hmm. challenge. And the mm -hmm. idea was like, you're doing loops around your house. And like, there's this interesting challenge with that. Like one, it's, there's this, it's great. You have this aid station that's constantly there, right? Like you mm -hmm. need water, you need food. Just you know, one of my favorite things to do was like, I would order food on Uber Eats to be delivered to my doorstep. Awesome. Donuts. I would oh, order donuts. Nice. To my donuts. <laughs> really awesome. But like the other, the thing, the challenge is like every one mile, you've got this house with this comfy bed yep. and yeah. like a nice yeah. shower. And so yeah. it's like, it's this challenge. Like, do you go in? Do you not go in? Have, like, and I just, I found that whole dynamic of watching people do their own challenges, super cool and fun. And like yeah. the community of it was awesome. And so that was like, my first hundred, but like it wasn't a real official race. If you know, do you know what I mean? It's still a hundred. So, I mean, w were you out there running with like neighbors of yours or did people sign up for this and like travel a little ways to come and run this with you? And did other people run a hundred miles? No. So, so I went out like that very next day that mm -hmm. Ian suggested it. And I mm -hmm. ran a hundred miles around my block by myself. I mean, there were neighbors that were like, I saw in the morning and were like, Hello. And then I saw him in the night and they're like, are you out for another run? And I'm like, no, it's the same run. Okay. Um, and then you like, put on I a race. I think it's by myself. Okay. Then I just put it up. It was like anybody did it by themselves, like at their own homes. Oh, got Wherever it. they wanted. Got it. And like they could have their family be part of it. They could have their friends be part of it. But they weren't coming to do it with me. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just like social. I want to create something that was like accessible and socially distance friendly and like all that good stuff. So cool. people, did, there were a bunch of people in the Bay Area that did it. But there were people that like international people that found it uh, somehow. Nice. Actually, Strava wrote a little piece on it. Uh, like they found it and they wrote a little piece on the whole thing, which was okay. I felt so cool and. <laughs> my 15 minutes of pain. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so that was, so that was that, that was kind of the start of like a chain of events that happened for me this spring. So I did that. And then I was like, oh, well, if I could do that, what could I, what else could I do? And so spring energy, you know, spring energy. Yes. Yep. The like nutrition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. So they did this super cool thing called the spring-a-thon. Where it was like who could do the most vertical gain oh yeah yeah and um there was like there was like the all out challenge of who could do the most mm. and so i went out first and i like uh the first time i did it i did like a denali equivalent of vertical gain in wow. one equip in one thing i mean okay. it's hard to find like gluten for around here and okay. you guys are lucky i'm in colorado right right yeah you know it's hard to find potent. i did a denali maybe like in 45 miles or something okay and then like somebody 
usurped me and usurped me. And then the current leader was like, it was like 33K in one activity. It was a guy. And, and like, people were like, oh, this is unfair. People, he's in Colorado, right? I don't know. He's like someplace where there's mountains. And I was like, I'm going to show them that you don't need mountains. I'm just going to go. And I went up and down my block, this like section. I like went and scouted all my hills around me. And I was like, what's the most potent burp? And I found the most potent burp. And I would just hill repeats. I think I did like 200 of them. It was freaking crazy. And it took me 30 hours, 30 hours, about 103 miles, 34K. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. And that was kind of like, I was like, oh, that's kind of like, that's kind of like a uh, cruel jewel. I can't remember what the bird is on cruel jewel. But I was like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty solid. Yeah. But then I got into first place. Mm-hmm. Somebody ended up beating me, but like I got a free pair of lucky poles out of the thing. I mean, it was freaking <laughs> awesome. So cool. that was the next thing. And then the next thing after that was this 200 mile Candace Burt thing. And then the next thing after that was this 500 mile virtual race up the coast of California and then I kind of took it easy then I was like I was like okay I should probably you know pay attention for Moab and so I started working with this amazing coach out of Colorado and um and then like I kind of focused on Moab and I I have a tendency to get like very excited about big projects and so um like he's had to like be like "Ah." Let's calm down. I guess also in July, I went and did, I, I, I section hiked the Washington section of the PCT, oh, which cool. was really freaking fun. Nice. But that was like, that was hiking. It was yeah. no running, but that was good. Like, you know, really strengthening muscles and like mm-hmm. problem solving adaptability stuff. So cool. I don't know. I, it was that kind of, oh, I wanted to tell you my love story saga. So I've been with I had been with Ian this uh-huh. whole time. Okay. And then like for a bunch of different reasons, Ian and I parted, you know, we broke up recently, actually within the last like month. Okay. And he's a very like special person to me. And like, I, I will love him forever, but we just were at different points in our lives. I mean, I have two little girls, I'm 34, he's 24. I mean, he's got his whole life ahead of him. And just like, it was time for us to just like, you know, be on our own paths. And then um, Lucas came back into my life and then proposed right before. Oh, wow. Okay. This, this is kind of a soap opera. (laughs) You are. Okay. I do. I do. Well, congratulations. That's cool. How long have you been engaged now? Um, We got engaged like the Monday before Moab started. So like, what's that? Like two weeks. Wow. Right, right on. cool. That's awesome. Congratulations. Fresh, fresh. Yeah, you're, very. You're the first, one of the first people to know. Really? Well, <laughs> well, I'm engaged too, so uh, you're in good company here. Um, so did congratulations. He, I want to hear about that. To, to both of us, yes, yes. Um, so did he run the Moab 240 this year as well? No, no, he came and crewed for me, and oh, cool. and like paced me in a in a unicorn onesie ah. <laughs> okay and oh, so um, i'll send you some pictures it's pretty funny <laughs> and so i mean is there any like was ian at the moab 240 as well like i'm not trying to uh, so it's very good question yeah 
I mean, is there any, is there any awkwardness there? I mean, you're dating these two prolific ultra runners. Um, is there any overlap between races or is there any uncomfortableness there? Like, I mean, that's what I'm picturing. So I, I'm just wondering. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like I, I'm an open book and I really, I want like who I want to be as a person is very like transparent and honest. Yes. And so like, yeah, of course there's some awkwardness. I mean, I think like, you know, at the end of the day, like, I, I mean, I love, I love Ian very much. I know he loves me very much. And I think that breakup was hard. And, you know, there's, there's like an element. It's like, I think certain people would be like, wow, that's really way too fast for that turnaround. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I guess there's like, I, I think that perspectives is very legitimate, mm -hmm. but I also believe that like, you know, and especially this year has, has really solidified this. I think for a lot of people, it's like, we only got one life and like, mm -hmm. we better like live the life we want, like as soon as possible, you know, yes. and not, not like rush into things we're not ready for, but like, if we're ready for them, why wait, you know, like who knows how much longer any of us have really. Yeah. And so like, I mean, it wasn't, there was no overlap. Like I'm, I'm, I really don't believe in, in cheating at all. I mean, if, if it happens, like it happens and be honest, like there was no overlap in that way. It was a very, you know, like the relationship with Ian ended and then the relationship with Lucas started after that. But, um, I do think like there's, there's a lot of people actually in the running community, cause we have a lot of friends obviously in the Bay area that would, that are, are kind of like, what happened there? What? I don't get it. And I think like the truth of the matter is that, um, you know, there was Lucas and my relationship was like so wonderful in so many ways, but over time there became like a breakdown in communication. And I believe like one of the most important things in a relationship is super rock solid communication. Yes, agreed. And we just got to a place where we were just like, we couldn't do it, you mm -hmm. know? And like, we needed the separation mm -hmm. to really both do some like work and healing on ourselves mm -hmm. to be able to be a place where we could show up and communicate. Mm -hmm. And so I, this wasn't like my plan. I actually didn't, I had no idea this was going to happen, but like in a way, you know, we just, when we reconnected and started just talking like as friends, um, he's, he's, a, he's a, he's such an interesting person. He's a, a molecular biologist and he works for a startup that's doing T cell therapy to cure cancer. Oh, wow. Freaking brilliant. Cool. But we were just like, talking about like DNA and RNA and proteins and like, just like enjoying each other as friends. And it became clear that like the communication thing had been fixed. Like we both did this work on ourselves to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. And then it became apparent that like all the good stuff was still there. And then like, if we can communicate, like all the bad stuff's gone. True. And so yeah, I guess like it might make more, it might make other people feel more comfortable if there was like a more of a divide, but I'm, I gotta be me and do what feels authentic to me and screw everybody else. You gotta do it. I don't it know. Too. I want to hear. <laughs> 
Yeah. I want to hear about your engagement though. And who's your wonderful human? Oh gosh, my wonderful human. Um, I've been with her for a good four years now. And um, yeah, she's a beautiful person. She's a runner as well. She's a business partner of mine. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. And um, yeah, I think you guys would get along great. Um, yeah. But I don't yeah, know. This, I can't this wait to meet her. This isn't you can't turn the tables on me. This isn't about me here now. <laughs> so um um what was I, I gonna, know about that? <laughs> um I was gonna ask you something else, and now see you got me all flustered. You you turned the tables on me and uh you got me all mixed up. Wait, um, I wanna ask one question though. I wanna yes. ask one question. Yes, yes, when's the wedding? Oh, um next summer sometime. When's the wedding? Yeah, next summer. Do you know um, where you're going to do it? It's probably going to be on top of a mountain. Um, it's probably going to be pretty low Love key. It. Yeah, not too many people there, but um, just us giving vows on top of a mountain and um, pretty low key, just a special uh, intimate moment between the two of us. So it uh, should be good. And then, of course, we'll have a Love celebration couple, so a week or two afterwards. So, yeah, can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But I know what I was going to ask you. Um, congratulations. Oh, congrats to you, you table turner. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you said that you had to go away and do like some, some work on yourself, like some, some, some self-work. Um, what did that look like? Wh like, what's that all about? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, I, like my life philosophy is that like the work is never done you know yes. I, I always am going to be working working on myself and always sure. growing and mm -hmm. evolving and like and um but you know i i have had um i've really struggled with alcohol in my mm. past and it was a tool that i used numb when mm -hmm. i was married mm -hmm. and 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 when i got out of my marriage i was sober for a period of time mm. and then um, you know, after a, a period of time, I like had a beer and it was like, not a big deal. Like, like it was innocuous. Like it, I didn't want another one. And I went a couple weeks and I didn't want any. And, but like over time in my relationship with Lucas, like, because there was this issue communicating, I would use alcohol to like numb that, yep. which was so freaking stupid because alcohol makes you like the worst communicator ever <laughs> um and so like i really and like because because when i was in a relationship with him like we drank together like and it was often really fun but sometimes it was really not good mm -hmm. and I just needed like it, it was like a trigger for me to be with him it made me want to drink not like not like oh i need to drink because i don't want to be with him it's just like my mind would think oh let's have a cocktail because that's we did that right mm -hmm. and so i think i just needed like some separation just to like clear clear the palate like clear it so i stopped drinking in january of this year best decision i've ever made in my nice. life nice. and um and he actually ended up stopping drinking too. Oh, and, wow. um, and he, and so I just needed that like separation and Ian, Ian also doesn't drink. And so like he, you know, part of that was he kind of taught me how to like 
have fun and be, you know, have a great life without alcohol, which like mm. in my mind prior to stopping drinking, I was like, oh, oh, it's going to be so boring to not drink. But like, wow, it's so much better not oh, drinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so that really was, cool. that was like, the, that was the biggest part of it, I think. And so now like we're back at this place where like, I, I feel very comfortable, um, like I, I don't ever plan to drink again in my life. I mean, it might happen, but like, I don't ever want to. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really drink, but he would have a beer on occasion. And I feel fine about that. And him and I have this, like, we're really being really honest and open about it and talking mm-hmm. about like, you know, when do I feel comfortable? When do I not? And like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, like, I don't want any alcohol in my house. I just think that's not, I don't want to set myself up for anything. I think sure. it would probably be fine, but like, I don't want that. And like anytime, you know, there've been a couple of times we've been like, Oh, like after Moab, we went out to dinner with some friends and, and he was like, I do want me to not drink. And I was like, no, actually I would like, if you, if you want to have a beer, have a beer, it's like festive. Mm-hmm. I don't feel uncomfortable in that situation. So it's kind of like, we're taking it step by step and mm-hmm. I don't know, he might decide not to drink at all either, but that's his choice. And I don't want to, I don't know. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And I can clearly identify with almost all of it. Um, I'm curious, do you, do you like attend meetings or anything like that? Or are you, are you just kind of uh, doing, doing your own program, just doing this on your own? Great question. So the first time I got sober, I, I actually went to rehab at Betty oh, Ford, okay. which I freaking loved, loved it. It was like summer camp for grownups, you know, and then I got into like AA and NA and I love those communities. I mean, they're really just like beautiful communities and, um, and those really worked for me for a long time. I, I don't go to AA or any anymore. I mean, I'm not opposed. I definitely would. Um, I, I've just found actually like the running community mm. has been like really, a great community for me in that regard because actually like a lot of people are in recovery in the running community in the also running community community. it's true and so like i I just found people that i can relate to in that way um and the other thing that made a real difference from one of the things i really struggled with about na and aa was this kind of like you count your days and then like if you relapse you're like back at square one and that was hard for me because i i really felt like you know there's still progress being made and even if i like kind of have a little bump in the road there's still progress but the way that that made me feel is like oh i i'm making progress but it's like all right start over and that didn't feel good for me and um it ended up like a lot of negative self-talk and self-hatred. So the really the thing that made the huge difference for me was reading this book called Quit Like a Woman. Mm. And have you heard of this book? I have not. So it, it could be applicable to anyone. I mean, it's it's not just for women, but <laughs> she kind of she kind of reframed it because like the way I thought about it in 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 AA was like, oh, I can't drink. I have a problem. I'm an alcoholic. I have right. a problem. There's, I'm flawed. I'm defective. Mm-hmm. But that was not, like, I already have been telling myself that my entire life. So, like, I didn't need more of that in my brain. But what she did is she turned it around and was like, 
I could drink, but I don't want to because I like myself better when I don't drink. Mm -hmm. I like this, my person better when I, when I'm sober and I'm choosing this and I like, who cares if I have a problem or not? It's like, I'm, I'm actively choosing this and I have control versus this, like, I am powerless perspective. And I'm not saying that AA or NA is wrong by any means. It's just, um, it, it, it works for certain people extremely well. It's just like the way my brain worked. I needed it to be this like empowering thing of like, I don't, I'm choosing not to drink. I don't, I don't need to drink and I don't want to drink as opposed to like, I can't drink because I have a problem. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally, totally, totally know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I am a member of AA. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic as well, so I can totally identify with everything you're saying. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I've done it both ways myself. Um, I initially quit drinking four and a half years ago on my own without a program, just kind of did it my own way. And in a way that I was sort of just like white knuckling it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really, really hard for me. I mean, harder than any hundred miler or anything else. And, you know, but for me, that was, um, there was sort of a transfer of addictions there. So, you know, then I just, you know, I I put down alcohol, but I started picking up other things. And, um, you know, I thought that the problem was alcohol. And if I quit drinking, I was going to get better. And that wasn't the case. So like, I still had all this mixed up stuff going on in my head. So eventually found myself in the rooms and, um, it's, you know, I don't feel like it's a perfect program and I don't know that it's necessarily even perfect for me, but it's been extremely helpful. I mean, um, I'm not a big social person. I'm not a big talker, but I've, I've found that the 12 steps are really helpful. Finding a sponsor to have somebody to talk to on a regular basis has been very helpful for me. So, you know, that's, what's working for me now. I'm not saying that's, what's going to work forever, but, um, that's where I'm at. So yeah, no, I totally identify with everything you just said. I mean, and just to be clear, I mean, I think AA and NA and I mean like all the 12 steps, I mean, I've done, I've done Overeaters Anonymous. I've done, (laughs) I've gone to Alan. I mean, any of them are really valuable. Like the 12 steps are really just like a great framework for almost anything. Anybody. And I'm totally with you that like, you know, that like it's for me too it was like yeah you can take away the alcohol but i'm just gonna find something else Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. until i like really deal with like the heart of the issue which like for me the heart of the issue is like i i didn't feel whole i didn't feel enough i didn't Mm -hmm. feel lovable Mm -hmm. and so it was like all about this external validation Mm -hmm. and and like when I wasn't getting the gold stars, when I wasn't getting the external validation, I tried to fill that void in myself with alcohol or mm-hmm. eating, overeating or mm-hmm. overworking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, but the thing is you can put as much in as you want. The void's never going to be filled. It's yeah. bottomless. Right. Yep. And it wasn't until I like really kind of turned it around and, and came from inside and found a way to love myself and mm-hmm. forgive myself for the things that I, I've done, which are some really, really bad stuff I did mm. when I was drinking. Sure. And I, I, I was able to really forgive myself and say, you know what, that's, that, 
you know, that's not who I am as a person in my heart. Mm -hmm. I can be a really good person in my heart, but do really bad things. And I can learn from those bad things and I can be better and I can try better next time. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that resonates with you. Totally. 100%. Yep. Everything you're saying resonates. Um, I mean, do you feel like you had a rough childhood that sort of led you to this point? Or did you have a pretty good childhood? I had an amazing childhood. I mean, my parents are exceptional. I just like, you know, I think, what was it? I was just like a little people pleaser, gold star getting perfectionist little kid. And, Mm -hmm. and my parents, you know, really well intentions, like, you know, really encouraged me to do well, you know, well in school and well in sports. And, and I just kind of learned to, I kind of think I got addicted to the, to the like, Mm. you know, praise and accolades from like a Uh, very early age. Right. Okay. Um, I think there's this other element, this is like getting into kind of a deep thing here, but I was a very skinny kid. I was a very just like active, running all over the place, skinny kid. And I think, you know, it came from a place of love, but there are certain people in my life who felt very uncomfortable with that, like skinniness. Cause it was like, is there a problem? Is there mm-hmm. like some, you know, is she too skinny? Is she not eating enough? Mm-hmm. And it came from this place of love. Like you want to raise a strong girl who doesn't worry about how she looks and she eats enough and she doesn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. But I think, the seed got planted in my head that like the way I was, was not okay. Like I was naturally just like happy and skinny and running around and Mm. loving life. And like the seed got planted that like that wasn't okay. And so then I think like it created this dynamic where I felt like I needed to have a facade of, of like, well, you can't know the real me because that's not okay. So let me just like like do my smoke and mirrors. And I think that's like in a lot of the relationships I've had and a lot of the relationships I've had with men until Lucas were me just like, have you ever seen that movie Runaway Bride? Uh, I don't think so. Who's in it? Is it like- who? It's Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. And Robert, or, uh, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. It's also such a good movie. No, I've never it. seen it. But it's the storyline that- um she's like she dates all these different men that are like totally different and she molds herself exactly to them it's like the like guy who Mm. likes mountain climbing she becomes obsessed with mountain climbing the guy that likes cars she comes and she ends up like it's called runaway bride she gets cold feet at the altar and runs away okay and i feel like that was kind of my trajectory in life i just would like anyone i would meet i would just mold myself into the like the perfect human for them mm-hmm. but then it wasn't me and then i'd be like oh i can't i'm not that person better go run away yeah. um and so yeah. i think like it wasn't until like really I met Lucas that I was like, okay, I'm really going to show up as my authentic self. And that's scary. Yeah. Cause it's like, what if you show up as your authentic self and someone's like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. I did that. And then, and, and what resulted was we fell madly in love, yeah. which was incredible. Right. Wow. Wow. Um, and I think he, did, he, he had a similar kind of story in a way. I mean, it's a story to tell, but like, I think he showed up his his authentic self too. And um, in that, like, 
we both were like showing up with our authentic selves and like falling, it fell in love. And it was this incredible thing. Like, wow, like a person loves me just when I'm me. Mm-hmm. Whoa, what? that's mm-hmm. mind blowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, it's like a process of surrendering. Um, it's like you have to give up all that, um, the negative stuff, and you just have to just, it's almost like stop trying, you know, stop trying to be someone else. You just, um, one of my favorite authors, his name is Charles Bukowski, um, on his grave, it says, don't try. And uh, that was sort of a moniker that he used. And he was someone who tried more than anybody but I just like that on his, his tombstone, it says, don't try, which sort of to me just means like surrender to whatever, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not doing a good job of saying what I'm trying to say, but no, I got you. I love that. I, I totally love that. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think like, you know, one of the things that's also been like a big learning for me this year, like probably the last like year, year and a half, two years has been this like, you know, I used to be a person that was like super structured and super control. Like, mm. let's just like go, go, go. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I've been more, more, more like, um, open to like what, what's going to present in the world and like yeah. open to that. And really like, like the most important thing in my opinion is like connecting with people mm-hmm. and like, and, and that can, you know, that can result in like, great work from a productivity business standpoint, like create creativity, creating stuff. I mean, like this conversation Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, but I think at the end of the day, it's like about connecting with people and like finding that connection, finding that like love between all Mm -hmm. of us that we share. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you're, you're so right that it's like, once you stop like trying, 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 and you're just like, okay, I I mean, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to show up as my best self and I'm Mm going to do my best, but like, I'm, I'm not going to hold anything too tightly. I'm going to like wish for it, want Mm -hmm. it, but Mm -hmm. then let it go. Yep. Yep. And then like magical stuff starts happening. (laughs) You're right. You're right. That is when the magic starts happening. When you just kind of almost surrender. It's like you can make plans for the future, but if those plans don't come into fruition, it's like, okay, well, what else is going to happen for me then? You know, like if if that doesn't work out, then something better is about to move in. And you're right. That's when the magic starts happening. So I, I really like that attitude. So, um, tell me about the Moab 240. So you signed up for this race. How did it go? Just kind of walk me through it. Because like I said, I've never done anything more than 109 miles or something like that. So, and you more than doubled that. So at this point, it's something I can't even imagine. So break it down for me. Um, so I signed up for the race and as I mentioned, like I really went in, well, oh, I'll just, I'll just go right to the, the heart of it. So like at one point I was like, I'm going to break the course record. <laughs> okay. Courtney DeWalter holds the course record. Okay. It's freaking like, it's insane. I don't know how she did that. But at this summer I was like, I'm going to break, I want to break it. I want to break the course record. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, working with my coach and He's, his name's TJ and he's part of this super cool group called Microcosm Community. Oh. Check them out. Okay. Do you, have you heard of them? I have not. 
Sounds interesting. Super cool. Like a lot of, yeah. And like the, the, the whole concept here is like, running is like a microcosm for life and we get to like experiment and try Mm. things in in Mm -hmm. a race or running and then take it back to the real world where it really matters you know i love um, it and there's like a lot there's like a lot of like you know for me i've struggled you know like addiction is one piece but like i've struggled with depression i've struggled Mm -hmm. with like you know anxiety and like you know and also you know, as I'm sure you can relate to, I need to be aware that running could become an addiction for me. And some people are like, oh, she's addicted to running now. I mean, I feel like it's very different because I'm, I'm very aware of it. And I work with TJ and he helps hold me accountable to make sure I don't get into that like uh, phase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think there's like this element of the way they work. It's him and his partner, Zoe, who's amazing. She writes for trail runner magazine. Mm, You probably read her pieces. Amazing. And they're, um, they're both coached by swap like David Roach, Megan, Mm -hmm. Megan and David Roach, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, I know those names. And I was, I was for a hot second coached by David Roach, but like, I'm like the, I was very, a very unruly person to coach. Cause like he would put six, six miles on my calendar and I'd go run 40. (laughs) Oh, yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, but anyways he he referred me to to tj and it's been like the perfect fit because tj's like got this approach that's very like um gentle and really like aware of kind of the mental health pieces that are really important for me when it comes to running anyways so at one point i was like i'm gonna i want to break the course record and then life just got kind of away from me these last couple weeks and i just wasn't training the way that like i really would have needed to be to be in that kind of shape and like i knew i could i knew i was in good enough shape to finish but just like to to break the course record it needed to be like oh yeah really dialed yeah um and so I kind of let that go. And then when I started, I was like, mm, I would love to like have a podium finish, but who knows, right? Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I'm just going to go and take it day by day. And like, really, the most important thing for me is to finish. Because like, I DNF this other race because I was pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to, I want to, you know, be a little more conservative here. And if, it, if it's meant to be all podium, but if it's not, no big deal. And so I started out like beautiful morning, just like love and life, amazing, like gorgeous sunrise, amazing morning, running with like these, with this great group of people. I ran with Patrick Corbett, you know her? Mm, yes, I do. Dirt Diva. The Dirt Diva. Yes. She's very colorful. Yes, that's right. Epic woman. Yeah. It felt yeah. so cool to share some of with her. Oh, I bet. So I shared some eyes with her and then, you know, the day went, oh, and then I got to see David Goggins. Oh yeah, that's right. He passed yeah. and I was like, David Goggins, you <laughs> look amazing. And he's like, <laughs> 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 um, and then, um, then we got up into this section that was like up and then it started to get hot. It was a really hot. It was super hot. Yep, I saw that. I yeah. think like 10 degrees more than it was. Mm. Okay. And so, um, I got up and I was running actually with like some super cool people like Sean McNamara and the woman who ended up winning the race, I was with them for a little bit that first day. And then they broke ahead. 
they're freaking way faster than me. Yeah, yeah. And um, then you kind of you come down into this canyon, and this. So now we're in like the heat of the day, mm-hmm. and it's super exposed and it's super hot. And I was like, I I normally don't have to drink that much water. I kind of think of like I'm like a camel in a way, <laughs> and so I was only carrying a liter of water with me. But there was two sections. There was a 15 mile section and the 20 mile section. That's a lot. No yeah. water. Yeah. I was like carrying a liter, and so like. In the 20 mile section, like people, a lot of people ran out of water. There was a guy that was carrying four and a half liters. I, mean, <laughs> I was like, I don't even think I could physically carry four and a half liters. That's really heavy. <laughs> but he, he ran out of water. Four and a half liters. Whoa, holy cow. I, I ran out of mile six. I ran out of mile six of 20. And um, wow. I mean, it was my own stupid fault that I only brought a liter. Yeah, but I didn't, yeah. I, you know, I couldn't adjust because I didn't have. I didn't have my bladder with me and I didn't have my crew meeting me. So like, I just had my handhelds and I just had, you just have to adapt, you have to deal with it. So <laughs> I just like slowed down a lot. And it was a very interesting experience because, you know, my mind was just like water, 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 oh, yeah. water. And I just like, I'm trying the podcast to like, just get it to go someplace else. It's like, you're just trying to constantly move your and I, this very nice guy at maybe like mile nine, you know, was like, how are you doing on water? And I was like, oh, I've been out for like three miles. And he was like, what? And he gave me like this much water. And I like milked it for the next 11 miles. I would just like take a <laughs> teeny little sip. So that like, <sighs> but it was a hard, it was hard. And so what ended up happening is that next section, I think it was called Breaking Bad, that aid station, tons of people dropped there. Oh, okay. Because it was like- Just so hot. It was a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was hot and people got dehydrated. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting, this was something Lucas has taught me. It's like the cutoff for Breaking Bad was 8 a.m. And like people were getting in there. I got in there at 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I- I was like, okay, I'm going to drink. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to drink as much as I can, electrolytes, mm-hmm. eat a grilled cheese with bacon, and then just like wait 20 minutes and see how I feel. And it was like 20 minutes later, I felt great. And I like went back out and I was, I actually like had a great section. Nice. Um, but a lot of people came in having already decided they were going to drop. But it was like one of the things Lucas has taught me, it's like, just come in, drink some water, take a nap. Yeah. You know, you're sure. not till 8 a.m. You might you got time. Feel. Yeah. Yep. But people were, yeah, people were coming in and just being like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so then I went out and I just like, I was feeling good. I was cranking it, it cooled down a bit, went up, oh, beautiful skies, like a starlit skies. Mm-hmm coming to this, the first kind of like sleep station where I met um, my my crew and had some more grilled cheese with bacon and tomato, mm. just hit the spot. Nice. And then I, ca- I kept cranking and I decided not to sleep because I was like, I want to take advantage of the cool. And so I just went through that whole night mm. and then um, next morning, well, Lucas was not supposed to come until kind of close to the finish, but he surprised me that next morning. I, nice. I saw him in his uniform onesie on the trail, and <laughs> I was so excited. And it was really fun to see him. And then, 
And then I did this other, the next day also was extremely hard. It was this section like going to Bridger Gap. Uh-huh. And I was like, I hadn't slept yet. And I was, I think, pretty dehydrated. So I probably hadn't drank enough. And I was like hallucinating out the wazoo. Really? I mean, but it was a little different because like, like I was seeing the trees and the rocks looked super weird. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like, oh, look at that lovely family having a picnic. Hello, lovely family having a picnic. And then I'd be closer and it was like just some rocks and locks. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and then like the, I'd go along. It would happen again and again. It was just weird. It was so weird. And I felt like I'd been there before. But I'd wow. never been in this section before. It was wow. super weird. Your brain just... Anyway, so I get to that next spot. And then I took a nap at that next spot. It was maybe like 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. And then I like had some more grilled cheese that was my mm-hmm. like favorite thing probably grilled cheese oh and then like later on the race they had bacon cheeseburgers oh, nice so oh yeah but i had a grilled and then i went out in that the next section and uh it was just beautiful it cooled down and then there was this big climb up to shea mountain mm-hmm. and i met this guy named john and we became best buds and I remember we're like up on this epic climb and I was like feeling a little calorie low. So I was like, I got to stop and have some high chews. You ever mm. had a high chew? I've never had one. <gasps> Go buy some. They're going to blow your mind. Really? They're the best during a race. Good running food. No good. Like just okay. straight up sugar. Okay. Nice. Okay. Good for a good, good middle of the night climb. So I start having some high chews and John's like, let's turn off our headlamps. And we turn off our headlamps and we just like look up at the sky. It's like this epic, beautiful sky Mm. of stars. And we just sit there for like five minutes and look at the stars. And I was just like, wow, how lucky are we? So then we go up to Shea Mountain. Lucas is up there sitting at the fire in his unicorn onesie. (laughs) I have two bacon cheeseburgers. I take an hour long nap. Well, nice. he watches over me because like okay. one of the things that was hard for me during tour was like, I was afraid I was going to just like fall asleep and never wake up and mm-hmm. I was going to wake up and then like everyone's gone and the race is over. But I felt comfortable. It's like he was there. He was going to make sure that I didn't sleep for a hundred hours. Right? For sure. Yep. So I fell asleep for like an hour and then I kept going and I had an amazing morning by myself. Oh, I love like those morning hours. And I come... I come up into this next section and I run into these two guys, Luis and Alex. Okay. Amazing, amazing time with the two of them. Come down into this next aid station where I had some donuts. Love donuts. Donuts is also a primary fuel source for me. Oh my God. Day. That's my weakness and right then, there. Donuts? Oh, big time. Big time. You give me some donuts and it's all over. Weakness. I can't say no. <laughs> or, Weakness, that's your strength it goes right that's to my biceps strength. it goes right here <laughs> good call super good super good ultra fuel so then <laughs> then i went then it was kind of like a flat section there was a, this sudden like rainstorm that was super cool um kept going kept going then i met my crew and Lucas again in the unicorn onesie at this aid station, like route 46 or something. I took another nap and then Lucas did 
this next section, I think it was like 17 miles with me up to um, this aid station. It was a hilarious aid station. I can't remember the name of it. Oh my gosh. It was just like the people there were hilarious. Mm. They had toothbrushes and they nice. had like, uh, they just, it was like, they had amazing breakfast burritos. I had one there and I took one to go. I put it in my burrito pouch in my ultimate direction vest. Ah, beautiful. I don't know yep. if you knew that that was a burrito pouch. I did not know. And then I, I parted, ways, parted ways with Lucas and like had a great morning. I found a little spot to have my breakfast picnic and then got up to the highest part of the course, which was like about 10,000 feet up in the LaSalle mountains. LaSalle, Freaking yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And then there's this like amazing downhill single track section, which was like probably my favorite part. That section was probably my favorite part. And I ran that and I really nice. could run it hard. I mean, my body was good. Okay. And then I got to this next aid station, had some more bacon and cheeseburgers. And then did this next 22 mile segment to the last aid station, I guess that's the last aid station. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of thinking I was just going to like push straight through and finish it off. But I got there at like 11 o'clock and I was feeling kind of tired and I probably could have pushed through, but I was like, you know what? I'm not winning the thing. Mm -hmm. I might as well take a nap and like mm -hmm. enjoy, enjoy the last segment. I mean, mm -hmm. so I took mm -hmm. a nap and then I got up at like maybe two or three and then I started out and it, it could not have worked more perfectly because I ended up like at this, I don't know exactly where it is. It's like the most epically beautiful part. It's like the Moab coming down into Moab. Yeah, and okay. I got right up there when it was like the sun was rising mm -hmm. and it was mind blowing. And yeah, one like, the interesting thing is like, I posted this thing on like Instagram stories of like, I'm up here and like, da da da. And like, it was all these people were like, how cool, share more, go KK. And I was like, whoa, this is fun. So I just like started making all these like fun videos as I was going down and posting them to Instagram stories of me like running down this like single track along the side of the canyon. And all these people are like, oh, cool, go KK, go. You're a rock and star. So it was like, I was by myself, but I felt, well, I felt like this community feel. Yeah. Like I'm by yeah. myself, but like I have all these, people with me yeah. and it was just like all the things I love about ultra running and and then I got down and I um FaceTimed with my two little girls who are four and six mm. and I FaceTimed with them as I crossed the finish line oh wow which was super cool that's cool that's special so so that's my story it was wow. amazing freaking oh, awesome wow what did you do at the end? Did you celebrate? Did you pass out? I'm always curious to know how people, what people do once they cross the finish line. Yeah. Well, they had, they had custom made pizzas at the finish line. So Whoa. I got one of those. Nice. Delicious. Okay. Okay. And then, um, and then like I went, we went, uh, there was a couple of people there that had helped out with the race for me. And um, so we just went into a nearby park and had coffee and muffins and just like hung out and chatted. Nice. And then what did I do? Oh, and then like I went and took a nap that afternoon, I think, and just rested. And then I went out to dinner with, um, so I, there's this very cool company called Method 7 that makes like uh, sunglasses for airplane pilots and like 
fighter pilots, super cool. Mm. And they, I've gotten connected with them in this cool way. And so I, the glasses I wore were like airplane fighter pilot jet glasses, mm -hmm. but they're so perfect because they're like, they feel like they're glued to my face. So when you're like running a super technical downhill, like normally I wouldn't wear my glasses because it's like, you can't risk like it's slipping Bounce down around, or like yep. fogging up. Yep. Totally. So I just don't wear them normally when I'm running a technical downhill because I really like to freaking fly down that. But with these, they're like freaking glued to my face and they look oh. badass and make me feel badass. <laughs> and so like, if you want a pair, I, I can get you it. I can get you a pair. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yes. I got to try these. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. That's so, cool. Uh, so I, I was connected with this and the founder of that came to the race and was there supporting me. Oh, wow. And they, they've given me these classes for free and it's just, he's amazing, amazing. So I had dinner with him that night and mm -hmm. he surprised, he like made the whole restaurant like sing to me and I had like four desserts. <laughs> <laughs> really over the top, but amazing. Awesome. And awesome. Um, yeah, and then I guess Lucas and I then just took our time driving back from Moab. We ended up in Bishop for a little bit, mm -hmm. hanging out there. And then eventually got back, I guess, on Friday. Yeah. Um, and then I have my kids this weekend. It's really fun. So okay. it's, been, it's wow. been fun and games, you know? That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Um, are you signed up for any more races or are you not looking that far ahead? I mean, you did the Moab 240. It oh, I'm always looking for You're always looking ahead. Okay. What's next? Yeah. So, so I'm signed up for Bigfoot 200 next summer. Oh, killer. So that's going. Awesome. Hopefully. Good. And then I told you, I got the deferral for Cruel Jewel. Okay. So Cruel Jewel. And that's a yep. hundred miles from May. Yep. yep. And so I was also supposed to do Gowling, the race that I mentioned Lucas did in China, that he oh, yeah. did the Rocky Raccoon qualifier for. Yep. So I, him and I both were going to run that together. It was supposed mm. to be in like February, March, and it got canceled. Well, it got, it got delayed. And so it's supposed to happen in December. It's oh. in China. Okay, nice. And like, so I'm registered for that. I, I'm kind of leaving that up to see what happens with that. Sure. Um, but I would consider going and doing that. That would be freaking fun. Okay. And cool. what else? Oh, and then Tour de Jean's next year. Really? I want to go back and I want to freaking crush that. Gonna get it. And okay. one idea Lucas and I have is being married during that race. No way. <laughs> wow. I like it. <laughs> At what, decided yet, but it's an idea. It's an option. At what point in the race would you guys get married though? At the finish line, halfway? No, no, no. I would like to get married at um, Malatra, which is like this epic, it's, it's in the, it's like the last part of the course. It's like the last, like, kind of super cool, uh, kind of coal, like the, the, the last thing. I don't know how many miles out it is from the finish, maybe like 20, 30, I don't okay. know. But okay. like, you know, I want it to be enough in the course that like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get there. I gotta make it to my, <laughs> maybe the finish line, but I think that's too cliche. Or maybe there's this, also there's this refugio called like, there's this refugio where like a lot of people hike up to and kind of like hang out and cheer runners on mm -hmm. because it's like so near the end. So like another idea would be to do it there. 
Okay. Um, I don't know. These are these are like early stage ideas. Sure. Who yeah. knows? But hey. I think we, we we have like a tour family. We've developed like a tour family, and like you know, both years when I went. Lucas's mom came both years and his dad came the second year. Okay. And so it's just, and actually my kids came the first year. Oh, okay. And they're like my four-year-old daughter, she was, I guess, two at the time. Like there's this little cute little video of her like running with Lucas. And I like posted this thing on Instagram that was like pacer in training. It's very, very <laughs> cute. Um, cool. so it's just like, I don't know, it feels like our, our, it's like a really special thing for us and like a yeah. lot of people that we know from around the world through that. So yeah, yeah. anyway, cool. Ideas, ideas. I like it. Well, believe it or not, I know somebody who I think is running it next year and he's ordained. So if you're looking for somebody oh. to marry you, I oh. might be able to so set convenient. you up. Yeah. <laughs> who is that? Uh, his name is John Sharp. He's this uh, crazy Southern Texas boy who has run. Uh, has he done? He's done a bunch of mountain races. I don't know if he's actually done Tour de Jantz, but he's going to do it next year, I think, because he was supposed to do it this last year. So you never know. I might be able to hook you it, up. It's definitely. It is. It's, I, I think this is this is looking good. This serendipity. Is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> serendipity. That's cool. Well, you got a big, uh, you got a big future planned. You got a big year next year. I mean, it doesn't sound like you're slowing down anytime soon. So I dig it. I dig it. What have you, uh, learned? how about you? I want to hear your plan. Oh gosh. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, I've had, uh, Nolan's 14 on my list for way too many years and I've made a couple attempts. And so I got to get after that probably next year. We'll see. But um, yeah, I don't know. Now I'm starting to get this. Awesome. That's I'm starting to get this epic. this voice in the back of my head saying, "I wonder if you can do a 200 miler." So I I just had to talk to you and I had to get some inspiration. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You definitely can. <laughs> and if you need crew or pacer, yes. I am there with bells and whistles on whenever awesome. you're ready. Awesome. But cool. you could crush it. I mean, maybe you know you know what's coming up is the um is the Tahoe lottery is about to happen. Oh, Tahoe yeah. 200. Okay. Maybe you should okay. maybe throw your hat in there that and see be, what happens. That would be a beautiful And if race. it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's true. Yeah, That's I mean, true. that, that like, I was on that course with Ian did, did it on his own this summer and I went and crewed and paced him for that. And it's just like epic. Those trails really? are amazing, amazing. Okay. okay. Yeah, oh my, he would freaking love that, love right. it. Are you going to put in for that lottery? I'm very tempted. I'm very tempted, but maybe I won't if you're going to, because then I would crew and pace you. I'm going to need somebody. Yeah. I'm going to need somebody to crack that whip because (laughs) I've only been half that distance. So I'm going to need all the help I can get. (laughs) Uh, You're selling yourself short. You uh, could do it. Of course. No problem. Of course. Uh, well, it's been so cool talking to you. Like, what have you learned about yourself throughout this? Because you've come a long way in a very short amount of time. So, I mean, you had this sort of tipping point in life where, you know, things sort of changed, but then you, things got better because you were able to jump into this, this new sport and you just sort of blossomed like so quickly, like, like, what have you learned about yourself? I mean, it just seems like your life must be so different now than it was 
five years ago, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, night and day, five years ago. I mean, but it's like also even six months ago, it's really different. And sure. I, I like want, you know, I'm not aiming to like drastically change, but like I, I do want to live in a place where I'm like constantly trying to like grow and evolve and, and, and learn. And so like, I want to be in a place where like, my life is changing and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I think people sometimes are resistant to change Oh yeah. and like uncertainty, sure. but like the fact of the matter is it's always uncertain. Yeah. It's always uncertain. I mean, if nothing else that this year has taught us, like you can plan all you want, but like, like COVID's going to happen. Wildfires are going to happen. Like, I mean, you can't, you just got to go with the flow to some degree and just show up as your best self. I mean, I think like, what have I learned? The biggest thing I've learned is to really love myself, mm. to really love myself mm. and really just like have a lot of positive self-talk and really try to get all that negative self-talk. Mm -mm, I don't have space for that. Mm. And that doesn't mean like, oh, KK, everything you do is good. It, it's just like, Rather than do, viewing things I do with judgment, I view them with curiosity. Like, hmm, huh, KK, why did, why did you do things that way? Is that really the way you want to do it? Maybe we should try better next time. But it's like, it's like a playful, loving way with myself as opposed to uh, like, KK, you stupid idiot. How could you do that? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, hundred percent. Where do you see yourself in five years, ten years down the road? Oh my goodness, what a great question! Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I like. I think the things that I'm passionate about are well. You know, I have two little girls. That's what's mm -hmm. most important to me is like being a wonderful mother to them. And yep. I'm not. I'm not perfect. I don't expect perfection but I want to like really be present for them and really do a great job. Like just giving them a source of support to live yeah. their lives. And yeah. I don't, I really want to try to like let them be their own people, their own humans and just like support them in, in the ways that I can do that. Um, so like, you know, five, 10 years from now, like I still see myself as a mother to them and whatever way that is. And, um, and then I also think like, you know, moving my body is like so, and exploring nature and just like mm -hmm. being out on trails. Like there's just something so healing about just being in nature. I mean, the Japanese have a word like for forest bathing. Oh yeah. Sh shirinku or what's, and like, the, I think there's something really powerful in that. And there's actually like scientific evidence that being in nature, like really calms your somatic system and mm -hmm. like, really reduces anxiety and stress. So I want that to be a very big part of my life, no matter what. And like moving my body and maybe it's not ultra running, maybe it's, you know, power hiking or sure. maybe it's cycling. Mm -hmm. and really, but I really want to be good to my body and listen to it and not just like push, 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 push. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing that I'm super passionate about is like addiction recovery and helping mm. people that were in like dark place that I have been in mm -hmm. and like helping them see the light and see that like it's really good over here you know yeah. like I think when I was yeah. you know needing to get sober it was like I'm not sure I want to go over there 
that's right. boring, right. you know? But it's, right. I don't want to be like, this is sexy and fun. Look mm-hmm. at all the fun you can have over here, yes. you know? Yep. And it's cool and it's fun and sexy. And like, so I'm very passionate about that. And there's like a couple of different um, like ways that I see that happening in my life. But mm-hmm. like, that's always going to be really like a hallmark of like, what I want to do and what my passion is. And just like, you know, one of the things that was when I was at Betty Ford, you know, um, I met a lot of people who, who had had some very intense life experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, some people who had accidentally killed people Mm -hmm. and were there, you know, with the ankle bracelet on and Mm -hmm. they're on a court order and we're going to go back to prison after that. And I remember feeling very much like, wow, like that could be me. Mm-hmm. There's like no reason why that couldn't be me. Yep. You know, in the right circumstance, I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. And it just like gave me such empathy and compassion for, you know, people that like, you know, I really believe everyone is like so good and pure in their soul. Mm-hmm. Even like people that have murdered many people or even people have raped children i believe that like in their soul they're really good and pure Mm -hmm. and there's all this like stuff on top of that that Mm -hmm. has them do things that are might be really terrible i mean because i've done really terrible things Mm -hmm. and i want to help the i really feel a desire to help those people like find their light again yeah and find their path again yeah and I, I really believe that's like the the way for us to deal with this addiction crisis we have mm-hmm. in our country is to really help people find their light. And I think like we do, you know, we, we don't really, the way we deal with addiction in our country is like we take, we send people to rehab and we take the drugs and alcohol away. And then we like plop them back in their exact same life and expect them to like not relapse. But mm-hmm. it's like, we, they don't have tools. They don't have the resources like they're gonna i just think the expectation is completely unrealistic and we're setting them up for failure and then we're blaming them and Mm -hmm. it's really not fair in my opinion yeah yeah um so sorry i'll get off my soapbox that's the thing i like really want to be doing in five to ten years it's just like a crusader on that charge I like it. Well, count me in. If you figure something out, I would love to be a part of it. I mean, I feel like, you know, um, like I've always wanted to help people and inspire people. And, um, you know, up till a couple of years ago, I wasn't exactly sure what that looked like. And now my life has kind of, you know, taken this different turn over the past few years. And I'm, I'm starting to get a clearer picture, but I'm not quite there yet. But, um, you know, I've always felt like I'm almost like a missionary here on this planet to show people the way or to help people or, or to somehow, you know, make this place a, a little bit better, you know, and I don't always have a clear picture of what that looks like, but I try just a, a tiny bit every single day and, uh, you know, we'll get there, we'll get there. So KK, you're awesome. Yeah, you're badass. It's a small step right small step start small dream big that's like that's it that's it i like it cool well kk thank you so much for your time um you're badass it it is so fun talking to you i think we have so many things in common so 
stay in touch. I can't wait to see what's in your future. And uh, I may be looking for a pacer sometime soon. So I'll be, I'll be knocking on your door. Please. <laughs> I can't wait. Absolutely. So good well, to talk. Thanks hey, you too. Me. Absolutely. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing big things and keep inspiring people. Awesome. Love it. Okay. We'll talk Bye soon. Now. Yes. We'll see ya. Well, I'm inspired. That conversation already has me looking at races for next year. I have never done a 200, but now I'm wondering which one I should do. Thanks for listening. And thanks to KK. Thank you guys for your support. If you guys liked anything here, please give us a like, write us a review, subscribe on YouTube, donate a buck or two, whatever you guys can do to support this podcast would be greatly appreciated. If you guys need anything to help you do big things, give me a shout at big-things-crewing.com. If you need a crew or pacers for your ultra or supported adventure, we can help. Or if you need a coach, a training plan, vitamins, supplements, I got your back. Listen, this is an inside deal just for Do Big Things listeners. I have ties to one of the biggest and baddest health supplement companies in the world. Uh, these vitamins and supplements are super high quality and I can get you whatever you need. Protein, BCAAs, pre-workout, post-workout, rhodiola supplements, CBD, high quality energy drinks, you name it, you guys. I'm bringing you the best stuff around to help you stay healthy and bring out the best version of yourself. Big Things Crewing is here for you and we want to help. Life is short. Do big things, baby.